Hello and welcome to the Antichrist Empire Deconstruction Podcast with the Lady Victory. On my last podcast, I quickly reviewed my qualifications. I'll do that real quick. I read the Bible thousands of times, cover to cover, from youth. Most Christians have not read the Bible even one time, cover to cover. So I bring a lot of expertise to the table in my Bible reading, and I did so in the power of my salvation in direct call from the Lord. In my first podcast this season, we reviewed the overall an aspect or a way of looking at the big picture of why most books in the modern New Testament are forged. The three books that are authentic are the Gospel of John, 2 John, and the book of Revelation. Every other book in the modern New Testament has been written by Greco-Roman philosophers They are forged. They were written for Constantine. They generate a full replacement religion that is a Roman replacement religion and is the ancient Roman state church propaganda. So people are reading propaganda. It's a completely false gospel. It's a completely false Christ. It is a false church and it builds a false kingdom. All of the Antichrist empire of all of these false books in the modern New Testament are founded upon Genesis 2. So we're going to look at Genesis 2 today. I have a book that I have written that is available through Barnes & Noble. It is Genesis 2, All in a Day's Work. This book is going to go into a deep dive for you and show you that Genesis 2 fully contradicts Genesis 1 in every way. So the assumption, and you know what happens when we assume, the assumption of modern Christians is that Genesis 2 expands upon Genesis 1 and gives more detail And they believe that Genesis 2 and Genesis 1 correspond together, correlate, um, match perfectly, and do not contradict in any way. Well, their assumption is completely false. Um, Here's a quote. It says, the two creation accounts in Genesis, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2-3, are generally understood as distinct from each other, written by different authors in different contexts. Now, that is a quote from author Katie Brown in her article, The Collector, Eve, Pandora, and Plato, How Greek Myth Shaped the First Christian Woman. Now, Ms. Brown is operating from the assumption that Genesis 2-3 is legitimate scripture. It is not. Genesis 2-3, she is correct in stating, is a typical Pandora account. 
She's noting that these authors, as is generally recognized, the only people that are going to argue, oh no, it's the same author, are people who have not studied it or they are so blinded by their own dogmatic prejudice in their dogmatic belief that everything in the Bible is truly inspired by God and, and this was delivered to us by the hands of angels. Well, these books were delivered to us by Rome. So people are making many false assumptions and they're blindly trusting in man because they've believed in superstition and equated superstition with, with true Christian faith. And so they're just making logical error after logical error. And once people become dogmatic um, and they are in error, you're dealing with what I would call a religious spirit. They think the religious spirit is the Holy Spirit, but it's not. They're, they're dealing with Rome. This is literal Greco-Roman mythology in Genesis 2-3. And in this book, All in a Day's Work, what I do is I show you that Genesis 2 begins stating that the entire creation was created in one day. And I bring out the point that when Genesis 2, um, and it's starting in verse 4, and it says, These are the generations of the heaven and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And I point out what a logical fallacy we begin with. In Genesis 2, we begin with a logical fallacy that the entire creation was created in one day. And this is a distinct creation account. So when you read from in the Genesis 2 chapter, from Genesis 2-4 through Genesis 2-25, there is never any break in the days. It never says, and then the next day, and then the one day ended, the next day began. It never does that. This entire creation account of Genesis 2 is a distinct story told by a different author, and he is telling the story of a one-day creation. Now, I point out in my book that you only need to be at about a second grader level of logic to know that a second creation account story that states that the creation took place in one day does not match Genesis 1. Genesis 1 tells us the creation took place in six days. So I begin the book telling people, there is your flag on the play. We start from the very beginning with such a huge inconsistency, with such a huge difference between these two creation accounts. By no means were they written by the same author. By no means were they written by the inspiration of the same spirit. We have such a major factual contradiction. We have a difference between a one-day creation of the heaven and the earth and everything in them in Genesis 2 versus Genesis 1 in which everything was created in six days total. So we have a six-day creation in Genesis 1. We have a one-day creation in Genesis 2. I think everyone listening to this podcast has at least a second grade education 
and you can logically deduce from that fact that one of these stories is not true. (laughs) One of these stories is complete fabrication and was inserted into the Bible by nefarious actors. And so that is my point that Genesis 2, Genesis 1 do not match, and they contradict in every way possible. So we kind of come back to that point that most Christians have not read the Bible cover to cover even one time. Not once. Not one time. So they're operating on the basis of tradition, culture, and institution. They are being brainwashed. They are believing lies. They are blindly trusting in man. They're blindly trusting in Constantine, who established the Roman state church in 325 AD by an official proclamation that that church was no longer to be persecuted in Rome. Then in 382 AD, the book that we have in our hands that we call the holy, quote unquote, holy Bible, um, was canonized in 382 AD under a different Caesar in the continuation and by a pope who is named Pope Damascus. And so we immediately see a tie-in between the name of this pope who canonized this atrocity um, of all of these false books that were added by Rome to the Bible. His name is Damascus, and Saul Paul, of course, had his great vision on the road to Damascus. And Damascus is the capital city of Assyria. So we have basically Assyria and Babylon here interjecting themselves into our Bible with their own mythology. Genesis 2 and 3 is a fully mythological tale that has been used throughout history in the oppression of women and bringing in the spirit of patriarchy and misogyny that has literally resulted in the literal legal enslavement of women, even here in America. And I go over that in my next book in Genesis 2 as I review some of our history in how Genesis 2, with its story of woman being created from man's rib, which is a full, complete, fabricated lie made up out of a new spin on the Pandora tale of of Greco-Roman mythology that is also the same as old Babylonian mythology, ancient civilization mythology. It's a mythological tale in which man is presented as a deistic godlike figure who was created first and then woman is his bodily appendage. So in Genesis 2, we have a story that man and woman become one person and that person is the man. Woman is nothing more than a bodily appendage. And feminism tells us that what we need to recognize is that women are people. Well, Genesis 2 is a false mythological creation account that has no place, no legitimate place whatsoever in the Hebrew Bible that declares to us that women are not people, 
but they are just bodies. Women are bodies, but they don't even own their own bodies because women are bodies, men own as their own bodies, and they become one flesh and one person, and that person is the man, which was the famous statement by feminists as they combated all of these laws that were generated from Genesis 2 and Saul Paul's epistles of male headship teaching that resulted in all human rights being stripped from women. And it's all based on Roman mythology that people wrongly stated is biblical Christianity. No, this is a foreign religion of foreign gods. This is not of the God of Israel. In Genesis 2, in Genesis 2 the man in Genesis 2.23 states of woman this. So he defines her as a thing. She's a thing. She's an it. She's an object. She is not a person. She is a thing. This. So he he says this. And I I find that so outrageous. So he says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So woman is fully identified as an object and as a thing and as as bodily flesh, like she's a like she's a laboratory generated clone of his own body, and so woman is a body that man owns as his own body, and this is the doctrine of Saul Paul. In First Corinthians eleven seven, he affirms that man is a head and woman is his body. And so he brings forward this one flesh doctrine, and I'll read that to you in Genesis 2.24. This is full abomination. So it's very offensive to me personally to discuss this wicked doctrine that has produced so much evil towards women and is still being propagated um, by heretics today. And, you know, they will call me a heretic because I tell them that their Bible is not the inspired word of God. But I say they are heretics because they have received a false word of a foreign religion in opposition to the God and King of Israel. That is what heresy is. That is what apostasy is, is leaving the true word of God to go with a false religion. And this is a false religion. And I, I honestly am quite passionate about it because I have personally experienced so much persecution and I have seen the long trail of abuses throughout history of all the discrimination and literal enslavement of women based upon these lies of this false scripture that was inserted into the modern Bible. So in Genesis 2, the man declares of woman that she is his physical property. And she's a thing. She's a this. She's a this thing. She is an object he owns. She's biological material that is his own body. And Adam said, Genesis 2.23, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So man is the God of woman in Genesis 2.23. You could not conceive of a more patriarchal 
um, presentation of the creation of humanity than what you see in Genesis 2. Man speaks and, and declares this over woman, saying, you are my property, basically. When he says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, he is saying, you are a thing, and you are a thing I own as my biological property. This is my body. And he says, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Well, this is the lie of Genesis 2. When we go to Genesis 1, I'm going to read this to you. In Genesis 1, God speaks. God the creator speaks. This is the true creation account. These are two different accounts, and only one of them is true. Um, Genesis 1 is from the God and King of Israel, and Genesis 2 is Greco-Roman Babylonian philosophy and mythology. In Genesis 1... God is speaking to both male and female at the same time. In Genesis 2, the false God and creator never addresses woman because woman in Genesis 2 is, is a cloned piece of biological material that is the man's body. In Genesis 2, woman is not a human being. Woman is not a person. Woman is not a child of God. Woman is biological material cloned from a man that a man claims ownership of and declares and speaks over woman that she is a thing he owns and that she is a body. She is biological material. The biological material is from his body. So that is his body. And he lays claim of ownership of woman as biological cloned material he owns as his own body. So man is making these proclamations over woman. So man has made the God of woman in Genesis 2. And woman is made a, a, a non-entity. In, back in the days in America, when feminists and egalitarians went to overthrow these laws that stripped from woman all human rights, um, they showed that in these laws, these one flesh laws derived from Genesis 2, woman under the law was considered a non-person and a non-entity. Woman, according to the law, was fully consistent with Genesis 2, stating that woman was biological material, not a person, but a non-person non-entity under the law as a body a man owned as his own body. And Genesis 2 was the basis of these laws uh, that were called one flesh laws of coverture. And under these one flesh laws of coverture, when a woman married, she became a non-person according to law. The two of them became one and that one person was the man. Um, is the famous saying. But in Genesis 1, we have a fully egalitarian account of true love for male and female as equal people and equal children of God. And this is the very core of my full objection to the heretical, blasphemous books that have been added by Rome and the primary agent of these books are the 13 books of Saul Paul, 
in addition to Acts and and the other false books, but those are the core books, are Acts and Saul Paul's epistles, in which the patriarchy and misogyny is so extreme that he declares woman the body of man that a man owns. And so what started in Genesis 2 is all that Saul Paul preaches, and it is extremely hateful religion that fully hates women. And Christians will deny that because they're, in their own minds, they're trying to mix the profane with the true. So they're trying to go, well, you know, what Saul Paul said is the Bible, so it has to be God's love. But it's not God's love. Saul Paul declares that a woman is a man's body, and he tells a man to love his wife as his own flesh. So he, he carries forward what I'm telling you about this one flesh doctrine of Genesis 2, whereby woman is reduced to a non-person and a non-entity. She's just a sack of meat. And, and she's a sack of meat that the man owns as his own body. So she is a chattel property slave in Ephesians 5 and in Genesis 2. And under the one flesh coverture laws that were based upon that, that were overturned in America, and women began to get rights. And by 1920, women got the right to vote. But they had to overthrow this vulgar um, ancient Roman Babylonian religion that has been inserted into the Bible to gain women's rights. So... What I'm saying is that the full stature move is, has got to remove this evil. It has got to remove this corruption because it's at the baseline of foundational doctrine of who we are as human beings originally created in the image of God. Genesis 1, God speaks, and I'll read this to you, Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image, and that means humanity. So let us make humanity in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God spoke dominion in order to create both male and female. And through one word spoken, both male and female were created. So God did not speak one word to create man and a different word to create woman. God created humanity, male and female, By one word that he spoke, everything in Genesis 1 is created by God speaking it into being. So the word speaks and what what the word speaks is created throughout all Genesis 1. The only way that God creates in Genesis 1 is by speaking his word. Male and female human beings in Genesis 1 were both created At the same time, by the same one word spoken. So there's absolutely 
no differentiation between male and female in their original creation of their status of being whatsoever. They have the same dominion, and that dominion is spoken one time to create them both. So they're created by the spoken word of dominion. And so that shows you their full equality in dominion, which means power and authority. So dominion is rulership, power, and authority. And God declares humanity rulers over everything else of Genesis that he has created. So that equal status of male is the equal status of female in creation. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, humanity. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So they were created at the same time by the same one word spoken. Now, they were created on day six. And on day six, first of all, on that day, God created all the animals who came bodily from the earth. And after those animals that were created bodily from the earth on day six were created, then he spoke forth to create humanity. So humanity came forth bodily from the earth, but they came forth as the children of God in the image of God born of his spirit. So they, male and female, of course, were spiritual beings at a higher level being than the rest of the animals because male and female humanity were created literally as the children of God in spirit. <clears throat> and then Genesis one twenty eight says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So in Genesis 1, we have man never speaks, woman never speaks. So neither male nor female speaks in Genesis 1. Only God speaks and God speaks to both male and female at the same time. So everything about God's relationship with male and female is fully equal. Their creation is fully equal. They're equally created in the image of God as equal children of God. They're equally born of the Spirit of God. They equally are brought forth from the same ground at the same time by the same one word spoken. So we just contrast that with Genesis 2. We do a compare and contrast of the creation of male and female and what it means, what it communicates to us, the doctrinal theological positions that they state. And Genesis 2, that false God and false creator never speaks to woman at all. He speaks only to man. 
And man speaks over woman. He doesn't even speak to woman as if she is a person. He speaks over her and lays claim to ownership of a body as a thing that he owns as his own body. So woman is not accorded any personhood. She's not a child of God. She is just an object thing like cloned biological material. So it's actually a transhumanist kind of a creation story where woman is a transhumanist clone creation that is not even a person. She is cloned biological material that the man owns as his own property and possession. She has no human rights. Uh, God, that false god and creator, again, never speaks to her. So she's accorded no equality with man whatsoever. Not at all in Genesis 2. Christians are trying to mix and match these two completely opposite stories and their lines of doctrine, but they're fully opposite. They're two different spirits. They're two different religions. In the first religion, woman is a child of God. She is a person. She has full individual boundary lines. She has full dominion. She's fully equal to man in all respects. So in Genesis 1, the boundary line around the male and the female, they're individually autonomous beings. They're individual autonomous children of God. Each one of them has bodily autonomy, spiritual autonomy, and a fully equal relationship with God. Now, this corresponds fully to born-again Christianity that is expressed in the Gospel of John. I reviewed in my last tape that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are false Gospels written by Greco-Roman philosophers featuring a false Christ. I have a book on that available at Barnes & Noble. And that is Big Bad Wolves Hiding Under Bible Covers. It's a very short, easy read. And I really believe that any born-again Christian who reads that will understand quite clearly that these books were written by Greco-Roman philosophers and the Gospel of John is the only authentic gospel um, that was written by the true early church. The other three are ancient Roman state propaganda So that's why we're doing the Antichrist Empire Deconstruction podcast here. We are deconstructing all of these false books that were added to the Bible, and they specifically degrade women, and they make men God. So they're fully patriarchal, fully misogynist. They're wicked and evil to the bone, and they've got to go. For us to have the full stature move, The full stature move corresponds to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is represented accurately in Genesis 1 in the equality of male and female as equal children of God, equally created in the image of God, given the same dominion, and thus having individual autonomy. To be a child of God, you must have individual autonomy. Because if you do not have individual autonomy and thereby self-government, 
You cannot have a personal relationship with God because you weren't created as a child of God. In Genesis 2, woman was not created as a child of God. Um, That false God and creator never spoke to her. Man spoke over her, declared her to be a sack of meat that he owned. That's it. That's the only declaration of what a woman is in the Genesis 2 account. She is transhumanist, cloned, biological material that a man owns as his own body. She has zero boundary lines around herself. She has zero autonomy. She has zero personhood. She has zero individuality. She is not a person in Genesis 2. And that's obscene, that's profane, that's blasphemous, but that's the reality of the Genesis 2 apostasy. Woman is created in that horrific, awful Pandora account as just a blob of tissue. And she doesn't even own her own body. She owns nothing. And I, I pointed out in my books, and I it's so clear an understanding of the level evil and why I'm so passionate about it, that there's the saying that if you if you do not own your own body, you own nothing. You are a slave. Well, woman in Genesis 2 does not own her own body. The man owns her body. She is not a child of God, so she does not have a spirit of her own. So she is a literal non-person, non-entity who does not own her own body. The man owns her body as his body, so she is a full chattel property slave. And anybody who knows anything about true Christianity knows that the Lord came to set us free. The devil is the spirit of slavery, according to the Christian religion. Well, Genesis 2 shows a story of woman being created as a person who does not, not even as a person, as a thing, this, this thing. Um, She's created as this thing that a man owns as his own body. So she's a full, complete slave. And the, the man possesses her completely. So she is a possession of the man. She, the man possesses her completely. It's the full allegory of the satanic kingdom of possession in which Satan possesses the souls and the bodies of his slaves. And that's the, the symbol of the kingdom of darkness. And what we see between the man and the woman in Genesis 2, is the devil's kingdom of full slavery and possession. The woman does not own her own body. She doesn't have a spirit. She doesn't have a soul. The man possesses her body and soul. And then to add insult to the injury of this blasphemy, Saul Paul, who is a false apostle, writes in 1 Corinthians 11.7 that the woman does not have her own soul. She does not have her own spirit. He says that woman is the glory of the man. He states that man is the image and glory of God, and that would make man equal to God, 
because in Genesis 1, we see that both male and female were created in the image of God. God says in his word that he will not share his glory with a man. So the glory of God is the spirit of God. So when Saul Paul states that the man is the image and glory of God, that is male deification of theosis of the ancient Roman heathen religion. He's stating that man is the image and spirit of God. That would make a man Christ. That would make a man God in spirit incarnate. So in 1 Corinthians eleven seven, we see the apostasy of Saul Paul stating that all men are the glory and image of God. So all men are the image and spirit of God. So he's saying that man is a complete equal to God, a complete equal to the Lord, who is God made a man. Um, the Lord is God in spirit incarnate. And Saul Paul is stating that all men are the same. They are God incarnate in spirit, equal to the Lord. And that is the false religion. That is the apostasy. There are two different religions out there. There is the born-again Christian faith, and then there is this ancient Roman religion of the deification of men that make all men God in Christ. And I reviewed in my first tape that Caesar made all of these claims that he was a Roman god, and that is the ancient Roman religion. So Saul Paul makes men equal to God, and so he's stating that men are God, and he says that woman is the glory of the man. So he's stating, in so stating, that woman does not have a spirit of her own. She is a lump of flesh, and she is a lump of flesh that the man owns as his own body, but she doesn't, she's not created in the image of God. And so not being created in the image of God, as he states in 1 Corinthians eleven seven, 7, she does not have a spirit of her own. So she is just a lump of flesh that a man owns. And then a man infuses with his own spirit because a man is God as the image and glory of God, the image and spirit of God, you know, in the flesh, a Christ. So, How Christians do not see this, I guess, comes from not reading the Bible much and from cherry picking. So they just read a little here and they read a little there. And plus, they're coming in because we've all been brainwashed from youth being told that this book is the Bible. So we're all brainwashed to start with, and it takes reading it and actually critically analyzing it you know, really doing the work of apologetics um, to see that this book is false, that Saul Paul is writing doctrine that is coming from a fully foreign religion. He's making men God, and he's making women non-person, non-entity, blobs of tissue that a man owns as his own body and infuses with his own spirit, literally making a woman the bodily appendage of a man as a non-person, non-entity, and not a child of God. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he shows that by showing his, his outline 
and his flowchart of power cutting woman off from direct relationship with God. And I'm going to read you a little from 1 Corinthians 11. I'm reading to you 1 Corinthians 11.3. This is the flow chart. He says, But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. So he's, he's making a sex differentiation between male and female in relationship with his Christ, where they stand in the flow chart. So he says that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is the man. So the woman does not have direct relationship with Saul Paul's false Christ. And I reviewed in my first, um, in the last um, podcast that this Christ is Apollo slash Lucifer. So this is a Luciferian Gnostic false Christ. And in this false Luciferian kingdom, men have access to this false Christ, but women do not. Because here in 1 Corinthians eleven seven, 7, Paul is teaching that men are God in Christ in his religion equal to the Lord. So they're equal members of the same body of Christ, the men are. So in, in this theology, the Lord would be a Christ and they would be Christ too. So it's a Christ consciousness religion. Um, but it's a Christ consciousness religion of male deification and depersonalization of women. Women are just objects. Women are not people. Women are not children of God. Women are just blobs of tissue that belong to men as bodily appendages men own as Chattel property slaves. So that is the Roman paterfamilias male headship doctrine that women are just bodies men own. And then we move to um, 1 Corinthians eleven seven. He says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as, then he gives the reason, that a man is the image and glory of God. That makes a man equal to Christ. That makes all men Christ. Because he's, he's not saying that a man was created in the image of God. He's saying a man is in person. So in his own personal identity, he is the image and glory of God. He is the image and spirit of God. He is a Christ. He is God come. He's equal to the Lord um, as, as God made a man. That's what this teaching says. He is the image and glory of God. That is not what, first, that is not what Genesis 1 says. Um, I'll read Genesis 1 again so we'll really see that we're, we're dealing with a false apostle teaching a false religion. <clears throat> Genesis 1.27. So God created man, humanity, in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So man was created in the image of God. Man was not created as the personification of the image and glory of God. God does not give his glory to man. So glory means spirit. Saul Paul is saying that man is the image and spirit of God in person, God incarnate, a Christ. So 
Saul Paul is teaching the doctrine that all men are God in Christ equal to the Lord. So it's a Christ, it's a male deification, male Christ consciousness religion of ancient Rome and Babylon. And then 1 Corinthians 11:7, Saul Paul says, but so he's making a difference between male and female. Male and female are not equally created. They're not the same spiritual level. They're not the same spiritual persons. They're completely different in this false religion. He says that woman is the glory of man. So Genesis 1 tells us that both male and female were created in the image of God as his children. But Saul Paul is stating that woman was not created in the image of God. So he denies, he changes the doctrine, he changes the covenant. He is an antichrist, false apostle. He changes the spiritual identity of woman, denying that she was created in the image of God. And we see the extension of his teaching because he says that woman is not created in the image of God. He says woman is just the glory of man, not created in the image of God. And that is why he says that women do not have access to personal relationship with his Christ. He says the head of every man is Christ, but not women, because women are not spiritual beings. Women are not created in the image of God. Women are just flesh made from the flesh of man. They're transhumanist cloned biological material that a man owns as his own bodily appendage. Women don't own their own bodies. They do not have a spirit of their own. He says that women are the glory of man. He's saying that a man fills a woman with his own spirit because a man is the God of a woman because he is the image and glory of God. All men are the image and glory of God. Women are like a a sack of meat that, that a man fills with his own spirit because he's equal to the Lord as the image and glory of God, as God incarnate in spirit. Um, how do Christians not pick up on how profane and different this religion is? <clears throat> Maybe some of them aren't born again. Maybe a great number of them do not even know the Lord. Maybe a great number of them are not born again believers. Maybe they're not, maybe they don't have the Holy Spirit at all. You know, and, and how many of these pastors behind these pulpits preaching this Gnostic perversion, how many of them are really born again? How many of them really want to teach this sexual enslavement of women to men? How many of these pastors behind these pulpits across America and the world really want to declare themselves to be God? How many of them stand up there in the pride of Lucifer saying, I am the image and glory of God, and a woman is a body I own as my own body. How, how many of them are really in their hearts that, that fake, that phony, that fraud, and that Pharisee? How many of them are really off in this false religion of the deification of man, the objectification of woman, and the degradation of woman, making her a sack of meat as a sex object. How many of these men are that perverse in their spirit 
that they just look at a woman and they see a blob of flesh that men own as their sex objects. And how many of them have really bought into the Luciferian religion of male deification at the expense of women they degrade down to the level of sacks of meat? I'm just being real with it here. I do have a lot of passion. I have lived this. I grew up in a religious culture where male headship was everything and women were so disrespected. Women were not treated as equal human beings. Women were not treated as equal children of God. These churches tried to strip our rights from us and reduce us down to sacks of flesh sitting in a pew required to be silenced and subjugated to male deified man masters. And that is an offense to the spirit of a child of God, you know, to be asked to worship a man. And to be degraded as if women are animals, as if women are objects, if women are things. The, the way that Saul Paul teaches and structures his culture into ancient Roman civilization in which women were enslaved under paterfamilias laws. And that's all he is teaching in this abomination of his books. So I have lived through the discrimination I have lived through the persecution. I have lived through the false religion of the worship of men as God that they call male headship, but is the false religion of the Antichrist that Saul Paul teaches. So I don't know how many of these men are just straight up, you know, Luciferian and believe that they're God behind these pulpits across America. Or how many of them are just seduced and deceived by the devil because they are getting a power thrill out of saying and believing that they're somehow special because they're men and they're just more, they're a higher spiritual being than women and they get to own women as their little man worshipers and their second class citizen slaves. I mean, there is... There is something perverted about that. And there is a pride and a lust involved with objectifying a woman. It is a, you know, it's like a spirit of prostitution. And some men are addicted to the spirit of prostitution in lust. And these men are viewing women as objects men own. Well, what is a prostitute? Now, I'm a radical feminist, so I am against prostitution because I believe it degrades a woman or a man or any child who is forced into prostitution wickedly. It reduces them beneath their humanity. And they, they are rendered as if they are a body, um, the person who pays to rent that body owns during the rental period. So a person is literally buying their body on a rental, paying for a sex act, and degrading that human being beneath their dignity as a human being. Well, that is what these pastors behind these pulpits across America 
and across the world are doing to every Christian woman. They are reducing us in their own minds to the level of prostitutes and they're getting a kick out of it. And I object to their perversion. I object to their lust. I object to their pride and self-exaltation. I reject the, de- the degradation of women that these vile pastors are preaching from these pulpits as they're preaching this wickedness of this evil religion of patriarchy and misogyny. When they are preaching that men are the image and glory of God and the only reason they are saying that men are the quote-unquote heads of women is because in the spirit of the devil himself, They are saying that they are, as men, the very image and glory of God. They are declaring themselves to be God incarnate as the heads of women. And they are reducing women down to the level of object things. This cloned biological material that a man owns as his own body. That is a perverted false religion. And I want to let you know I hate that religion. I reject it completely. That is not the truth of the, of the faith in the Lord Yeshua of the Gospel of John. I reject their false religion. And I am ready for God to judge every last one of them, especially on American soil, for their apostasy. And I'm on fire about it. And there is no compromise with me with this false religion of male deification and woman degradation. I reject it completely. I reject the false Christ of Saul Paul. That is not my God and King. My Lord is represented in Genesis 1 and the Gospel of John. These religions are two completely separate an opposite religion. Saul Paul is a false apostle, and this is the Antichrist and the devil saying these wicked things about women and exalting men to the level as if men are God. This wickedness must be driven off American soil, and that is the full stature move. So I'm going to end there, and I do have a great deal of passion about this. I have gone through the persecution. I have gone through the discrimination. I have grown up in a patriarchal male headship religious culture of Calvinism, where Calvinism was all throughout my culture. And that spirit of the devil, of that male headship Calvinist culture, was so discriminatory and abusive and predatory towards me um, as a female growing up in that culture, where they tried to train me and reduce me down to the level of a silent, subjugated piece of meat. And I reject your religion. I reject your false God. My God and King is the Lord Yeshua of the Gospel of John, because I'm a true born-again believer, and I don't believe in this Antichrist of Saul Paul. Now, I have my books. They're available at Barnes & Noble. My website is The Lady Victory. There's a the in front of it, theladyvictory.com. And you can go to my website and you can give there. You can buy my books. I'd really appreciate it if you would buy my books. That's a way to give to my ministry and to receive the gift back of where I'm teaching more sequentially in my books. And I'm going through a lot of material. It's, it's easier to go through a book and go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. 
we're going through it and kind of teaching it on a podcast, you know, I notice I'm not going through as much material as quickly, but it is a good way to communicate and get my message across. And I hope you pick up on my fire. I hope you gain that fire. I hope you understand that it is wrong to degrade women. It is wrong and wicked and evil to declare men to be God by calling them heads. This is a vulgar religion, and it has to go. God has had enough of the prophets of Baal behind these false pulpits in these false churches preaching the Antichrist, false Christ of Saul Paul. It has to go. It is time for the full stature move. It is time to return to the truth that male and female were equally created in God's image in the same dominion. The full stature move is the move of dominion in the worship of God as alone. So this worship of men as God must cease and needs to leave American soil. All right, God bless you.